welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Hello. Um, I'm so glad that you guys are here. I'm glad to be here too. Um, If I haven't met you yet, or if you haven't met me, my name is Becca Whitmore, and I'm on staff here at the BSM. I'm realizing this is very close to you guys. And um, I went to school here at UNT. I graduated in December of 2016. um, And during school here, I was on leadership team at BSM. So I totally was sitting right in those seats just a few years ago. And so I'm excited to be here. on this side of things to get to participate also in CRAVE. Um, I'm pumped. So um, we're going to be in Ephesians today, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Um, If you have a Bible, that's awesome. If you don't, there are Bibles around you on the seats or underneath them. Um, Ephesians is towards the end of the Bible. Um, And for those with the blue and white Bibles, I think we've, yeah, the page number is 568. Um, So you guys get there, and then um, before we get into this text, I just want to give you an outline of kind of what we're going to be going over and talking about. Um, So if you're taking notes, this is a great thing to write down. If not, just remember it. Um, We're going to be talking about the unity of Christ's people in verses 11 through 15, the peace that we have with God through Christ in verses 16 through 18, and then the implications of those first two points in verses 19 through 22. Do you want me to say that one more time? Yes. Um, so the unity of Christ's people in verses 11 through 15. The peace that we have with God through, verses, or with God through Christ in verses 16 through 18. And then the implications of those first two points in verses 19 through 22. Um, so I'm going to read that for us, 11 through 22. Um, So you can read along with me. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. There you go. Um, So if you noticed, what word does our text begin with today? Therefore. 
So if you've been here a while, what do we ask when we see that word? What's it there for? Um, so that means that we get to go back and look at the first half of the chapter um, just so that we know what we're learning about today is in reference to. Um, so Matt talked about it last week. Um, and um, it talks about how we are broken and dead in our sins. Um, and there's nothing we can do on our own to change that. Um, but the text quickly hits a turning point. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so we as believers have been made alive in Christ um, by the grace of God. And this is not something we can or will ever do to earn for ourselves. Um, so what we get to learn from our text today is that Paul isn't just talking about one individual person there. And he's not even just talking about the church in Ephesus who was writing to you. He was talking about all believers. Um, and so we'll get into this today. We've been unified with other believers through Christ. Much like this church that Paul is writing to in Ephesus, we are all from different places, different backgrounds, different families and lifestyles, um, and yet we have a unifying bond in Christ. Um, so during the time of the early church, you were basically defined as either a Jew or a Gentile, which literally means not Jew. Um, the early Christian church hadn't been around very long, so everything that they were learning, whether the background was Jewish or Gentile, was new. Um, they had a lot to learn and understand about this new life that they were being called to. Um, so it's important for us to know that Paul's letter was written um, to the Ephesians, um, to the Gentiles specifically there that had converted to the Christian faith. Um, and so why is that so important? Because this applies directly to us. Unless you were Jewish, you would be considered a Gentile too. Um, so, in the first five verses of our passage, we're going to be talking about our first point, um, the unity of Christ's people. Paul talks about what it means for these Christians to um, become a part of the church. Um, so, let's read verses 11 through 15 again. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. So he starts off talking about circumcision. Um, circumcision was a special mark for the Jews that was an indicator that they were set apart as God's chosen people. Um, and really in this passage, it's less important to know about specifically what circumcision was and more important to understand the difference in separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, and that was part of it. Um, so, Paul also described the Gentiles as alienated from Israel and strangers to the law of God. What does it mean to be aliens and strangers? Um, they were completely separated from the Jews, um, or the Israelites, um, which meant for a long time they were completely separated from God. 
Um, the Israelites were the ones that God made a covenant with and he gave the law and promises to. Um, and so these Gentiles were once completely separated from any of that. Um, and even goes on to say they had no hope and were without God in the world. Um, but for these that Paul was writing to, that was in the past. Um, he stops and says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. So, Christ's death death wasn't just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Um, Like what I mentioned earlier, the two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, um, Christ united those that believed in him. Um, both the Jews and the Gentiles. And it wasn't just that he made peace between them, but he literally was that peace. They were both one in Christ. Um, And so that brings us to the beginning of our second point. Um, We have peace with God through Christ. Christ broke down the wall between two people groups by getting rid of the law that described specific physical and ceremonial differences that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. Christ both fulfilled the law and removed believers from the law's condemnation. How do we know that he came to fulfill the law? Jesus said so uh, in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Um, But verse 15 of our text in Ephesians seems kind of confusing. It says, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. By abolishing the law that... um, expressed in ordinances. He might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So I want to look more into this. Um, Flip over to Hebrews 10 in your Bibles. It's a little further to the right. If you're using our blue and white Bibles, Hebrews 10 is on page 584. And then I'll read that for us. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Verse 8. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So, that's a whole lot. Um, But it's important for us to know that the Israelites were required to make sacrifices, most of the time animal sacrifices, every year to atone, which means to make amends or to cleanse 
um, for their sins and unrighteousness for that past year. Um, that's how the law was set. So because of the sins and bad things that we as humans have done, um, there needs to be some sort of payment for those things um, in order for us to have a right relationship with God. Um, our holy God cannot be in the presence of sin, but we as humans are sinful, and it's our nature to sin. Um, so the Israelites had to continually make these sacrifices every year so they could be right with God. Hebrews 10 is saying that the law, with everything that it has built into it, can never make a person perfect because it's just a shadow or a taste of what was to come. If the law could make anyone perfect, then the Israelites wouldn't have had to keep making sacrifices every year because they would have been perfect after the very first time. So, in verses 5 through 7, Psalm 40 is quoted, and then it goes on to explain what is meant by that. These animal sacrifices weren't desired by God because of some special value that they had. What does verse 9 say? That he does away with the first, the sacrifices and offerings, in order to establish the second, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus was completely God and completely man, and he came to earth, lived a perfect life, therefore not having any sin of his own, um, and died on the cross to atone for our sins. So, um, he abolished or did away with the specific act of us having to sacrifice animals as atonement for our sin by fulfilling the very idea and meaning of the law. He was the perfect sacrifice and the ultimate atonement for our sins. Those animal sacrifices were just a shadow of Jesus being the perfect sacrifice. And his sacrifice was for the sins of both the Jews and the Gentiles. So in one fell swoop, God fulfilled the requirement of the law as the perfect lamb. Um, he, he was sacrificed for our sins and removed believers from the law's condemnation. Um, as verse 10 says, we will be sanctified, which means to be set free from sin, uh, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So let's jump back to Ephesians. We read verse 15. Christ abolished the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances. Um, so he got rid of the things that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. And not only that, verse 16 says, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. And in this very act of Jesus, we have peace with God and have relationship with him. So let's move on to verse 18. For through him, we both, the Jews and the Gentiles, have access in one spirit to the Father. And this is just cool because here we see what it's like to have relationship with God. We have no worthiness of our own, but we can pray to God the Father, approaching him through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity are at work in the prayer of the believer. And we could talk a lot more about that, um, but for the sake of time, we'll have to do it another time. Um, but if you do have questions about the Trinity or anything else that I've talked about, feel free to ask me or another staff member after we're all finished. Um, so, so far, we've seen that when you're a Christian, you're unified with Christ's people and you have peace with God. So let's read verses 19 through 22. Um, and look at our third point, the implications of Christ's peace. Verse 19 says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And it starts off with so then, uh, which here means it's a turning point in the text. Um, it's indicating that these are the results of the statements before it. Um, and so the results are this. In Christ, these Gentiles will never again be outsiders. They are fellow citizens with the saints, people of God. They've been adopted into God's family. Um, and the same can be said for us who believe. We are no longer outsiders of God's family. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Um, verse 20 says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And the thing to know about a cornerstone was that it was an important foundational part of any building. It was the um, first stone that was set, and all the other stones were set in reference to that one. So it determined the whole structure of the building. Um, Christ is the cornerstone for the church, um, and the apostles and prophets were foundational layers. Um, so as we, we as believers are a part of that church, um, unified in Christ. So now we who are in Christ are being built into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. And what does that mean? Paul talks very specifically um, about what it looks like later on in Ephesians um, when he talks about um, the body of Christ and the new life that we've been called to live. So we won't get into that a lot. Um, for now, know that we as believers are called to live our lives looking to Christ as our example. Um, so I want to set you guys up well for some good conversation in your small groups. Um, so I just want to go through what the text says about God and us. And we even have slides if you would like to write those down um, or just talk about them later. So in verse 14, we see that Christ is our peace. In verse 15, we see Christ has made us one. Verse 16 says Christ has reconciled us both, reconciled us to God through the cross. Um, verse 17, Christ preached peace to both those far off and those near. Um, through Christ Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father. And then verse 20, Christ Jesus is our cornerstone. And then about us, we see without Christ, we are separated from God. Separate from God, there is no hope. Verse 13 also says we have been brought near to God through Christ. Christ has made us citizens and members of the household of God. And God dwells in us when we are in Christ. Um, and as far as application in your connect groups, I've already given these to your connect group leaders, uh, but you can be thinking about this. Uh, what command do we see in this text that we should follow? What are ways that we do or do not pursue unity in the body of Christ? And then how can we preach peace to those who are far off? Um, so to summarize it all, this chapter started with a description of the Gentiles dead in their sin and ends with those same Gentiles made new and alive in Christ, unified with other believers and forming a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. So if you're here and you're a believer, praise the Lord because you have this relationship with God through Christ. You are being made into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. You have been made citizens and members of the household of God. And we can find comfort in that, knowing that we are a part of his family. Um, and we should be driven by that as well in our evangelism and discipleship. 
Because shouldn't we want others to be a part of God's family? Um, if you're here and you're thinking, I know this isn't true about me. I'm not a child of God. Or you don't know what you think about any of this. That's okay, too. Um, tonight is a great night to talk more about that um, in connect groups or with the staff. Um, but my questions for you are, do you want to be a part of this family? What would it take for you to believe in this? Romans 10 says, all that we need to do to be a part of this family is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So let me pray for you before you head to connect groups. Lord, I'm so grateful for your love and for your mercy. I just ask that as these students head out and are going to be spending time with their connect groups, that they would learn even more about you and the unity that we have through Christ. I pray this all in your son's name, through the power of your spirit. Amen. You guys are dismissed to go to connect groups. <laughs>